Hi, this is Aaron Azarod, and welcome to the third part in our series, What Does It Mean to Be Social? Imagine you are back in the third grade, and the most popular girl in class is having a birthday party. She prances around the room and delivers invitations that her mom obviously helped her make to each of the kids in the class. You notice that as she passes by your desk, a fiendish smile envelops across her face as she hand delivers an invitation to the boy sitting right next to you and passes you right on by. How can this be? You begin to question to yourself. Your eyes are now glued to this girl in the hopes that perhaps your invitation is on the bottom of the deck and that it is only a matter of time before she comes back towards you. And yet, you watch as the very last card is dispensed from her hand and it has not landed on your desk. You hold back a tear as the others around you rip open their invitations allowing that annoying glitter stuff to spill all over their desks. The teacher beckons the class and you try and forget about what just happened and you succeed until lunch. When you arrive in the cafeteria, you hear from your friends and the other classmates talking about how much fun they are going to have next Saturday. You almost feel as if you should confront this girl. You haven't done anything wrong to her. Sure, you're, you're not the best of friends, but you notice that others far less deserving received invites. You end up never confronting her and you never quite know why it is that you were excluded. Joining me in the final chapter of our socialization series, I am joined once again by Gabby. Gabby, you were once a teacher what would you say to our third grade friends if you notice that they were looking a bit down having been excluded? Hi, Aaron. Thanks for having me again. My pleasure. Um, <laughs> so having been a teacher, I experienced a lot of this kind of happening on, you know, the school playground and just, you know, just the nature of the classroom, like picking people during activities and whatnot. And I think one of the top things as a teacher and even as a, as a parent, you always want to remind your kid that there's nothing wrong with them. They're in the portion of their life, especially in third grade where they're exploring like who they are and, you know, uh, what friends they have, what interests they like. And I mean, that's just the beginning. That's we're not even getting to high school where it gets really serious. But um, again, if this child is in distress because they clearly didn't get invited to anything, um, that birthday party or event, you as a teacher should pull them aside and just remind them that there's nothing wrong with them. And then, you know, if that were to escalate there, I mean, there are a number, number of other things that you can do to not only reassure the child, but make sure that there's no further conflict in the classroom. I, I think, you know, as, as being like the eagle eye perspective of, of the classroom of what's going on and the different dynamics. Now, it could be the case that this boy and this girl really had a, a giant spat with one another. And then there's some kind of underlying reason why this girl would exclude this boy. Or, you know, maybe this boy is like a royal pain in the behind and he's going to totally wreck that party and like hog all the games or something like that. But I think in the, in the, in the obviously perfect fi fictional scenario I set up here, there doesn't clearly seem to be anything wrong that this boy has done. He just seems to have been excluded and it could be because he's awkward or it could just be that he doesn't fit in as much as the other students and I, I think validating somebody's humanity really comes first in these situations. Yeah I can agree with that I mean when you deal with kids who are that young it's difficult to they're aware of what's going on especially in third grade because that's kind of I feel like a lot of the malicious things that I experienced when I was younger between like the cat fights and all that, a lot of it did start around like third, fourth, maybe even fifth grade. So it's not that they're not aware of what's going on. It's just, you know, there's the question of like what they were taught from their parents and also mm. maybe previous teachers or just there sometimes are instances where those kids are specifically doing that on purpose to harm another kid. Yeah. Um, especially I noticed it a lot more when I had classrooms that had children with disabilities um, which was even sadder, even if it's not anything crazy. But I mean, I remember there was this one boy who had 
mild case of dyslexia and he was a little awkward and like probably needed a good shower, but he was, he was so funny and he was the sweetest, but he was always kind of on the outside because people didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't acknowledge him because of his like quirkiness. Yes. It's funny. I just had a conversation with my friend Kenny and he said something very profound, but grim at the same time. We have a tendency to want to crush anything that's different because it makes us feel uncomfortable. And I, I think that this, you know, this girl might not think that there's anything wrong with this boy, but she knows that he's different and that 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 might create an unsettling sense amongst her and her friends. And she may not be, you know, I, I guess in the example I use, she has like a, a malicious grin and we can talk about that later, but sometimes people get excluded because it's like, you're too much of an inconvenience. You're going to create so much awkwardness and I don't want to hurt you, but I don't want to have the responsibility of dealing with your awkwardness. Oh, that's so sad when you think about it being in third grade. I think I've also experienced, I've been on both sides of that coin as the person who didn't receive the invite for that reason or the person who didn't invite someone specifically again for that reason um it's not i'm not proud of that but it, it does to your point of like we like to exclude things or kind of dump them to the wayside when they're different i can definitely i'd see that all the time i mean even from an adult perspective exchanging new and different ideas like something so vague and and um general is that and even down to the granular like where's this shirt that i don't like or it offends me or you know has this ex-political view or has this does this weird event or plays this ex-sport like there's always something that if you if you have differences it just mm. pushes you farther apart yeah yeah and then it, it just it could it could be just orderliness it could just it, it, in the sense that like you know i want all the blue you know, toys in that column. And I want all the green toys in that column. And there, there's something about that person that might present disorder to your party, right? Because like, what if that kid makes an inappropriate joke? Or what if they ask my friends kind of like an inappropriate or awkward question? And they, 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 that kid may not be trying to do, derail your party. It's just that they may not have a high level of social awareness. And it takes a lot of work and I don't obviously expect a third grader to be able to do this, but it takes a lot of work to kind of preface things like, oh, okay, my, my friend um, Mark is going to be coming along. He's, he's a little bit different. Just don't mind too much what he says. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't expect a third grader to do that. They just, <laughs> they don't have the prefrontal cortex fully developed so that they can make those you know, those high level thoughts. I mean, even I feel like as adults, a lot of people don't even have that. Yeah, sadly, it just it doesn't register to people to, you know, again, bringing new people to the conversation or um, wild ideas, um, or even prefacing things. I mean, I've been in situations that no one told me anything in a show, but I'm like, wait a minute, what's like, what's going on? I don't, <laughs> you didn't tell me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think all of this and, and, and there is like a selfishness component to because like this person's pre and I think this is something that a third grader can process or, or maybe, maybe let's let's use like maybe a sixth grader, someone a little bit older, that this is going like bringing happiness to this boy by inviting him to my party is going to make him happy. But at the same time, time that's going to detract from my personal happiness because now I have this this person or this agent at my party who who is cleaning little messes that I have to tidy up again I don't know if a sixth grader necessarily <laughs> will have those processes but yeah you're right I mean I, I I do I mean I have had experiences or heard something where kids they like they just like I forget where it was I think it was on Instagram or it was some article where it was this family went to I don't know 7-eleven or whatever and there was like you know, on the shelves in front, there's like candy and Tic Tacs and whatever. So this girl, little girl said, oh, can I have all these Tic Tacs? I want to bring them home, you know, and he's just thinking she wants a lot of Tic Tacs. But as she's in the car and they're driving home, she's saying, oh, I, this one's for mom and this one's for dad. And this is one for my friend. And like, she basically assigned to give out all her Tic Tacs, Tic Tacs, oh my God, Tic Tacs, Tic Tacs out, you know, to everyone at the end, she didn't have them for herself. So I think young kids 
do you un have a understanding of you know what it means to be nice and sharing and things like that but I don't know if she's mentally processing at the same time that that's actually happening she's just doing it because she wanted to give it out but it's interesting too because when you get into second third fourth grade you start to have that I don't want to say selfish but you start to that innocence starts getting chipped away and so maybe that's when the flip the switch starts flipping and again, the maliciousness might start to come out or the spite or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what, Gabby? I, I think you're actually poking a lot of holes in my story, which I really appreciate. Let's take this third grader and advance him like 10 years. Let's make him 16, right? I think I think we're going to have a little bit more because there's so much that we want to just write away as, oh, they're children. But let's let's go ahead and make them teenagers because I think and the same, let's say they're teenagers and the same exact thing happens. And let's go back to the example where she has like a evil grin or something on her face. Where does that maliciousness come from? Yeah, I'm going to exclude <laughs> this person and they're, they're going to they're gonna feel like shit and I'm going to feel really good about myself. I'm wondering where that kind of comes from. I think a lot of it is, well, it's how, you know, these kids are raised or how they're taught. It's just... I have noticed a pattern with certain people, like there are the really popular kids and some of them uh, naturally would go towards chipping away at people who were maybe not as confident as they are. And so what ends up happening, it's funny too, on the flip side is that those people who are chipping away at other people actually have less self-confidence in the people that they're actually hitting. And 50% mm. of the time it's actually jealousy. So they they actually have something that the person who's hitting them with that negativity or maliciousness or whatever it is uh, actually wants. Whoa, whoa, I, whoa, that, that, that's some Sigmund Freud analysis there. I like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm loving that. So let me just repeat what you said just to make sure that I got that right. So in other words, I'm this girl and I, I might even have like an insecurity that this boy might be more popular at the party or just might like outshine me. And I'm trying to exclude him from my party because I don't want any competition there. I don't want any competition of somebody who might sort of surpass me or, or be more of the socialite than I am. So I kind of invite weaker people so that I stand out that much more. Is that I mean, what you're definitely, saying? That's definitely a possibility. I mean, that's, especially when you talk about younger kids, especially the teenagers, because it's such a, so much hormones and there's like so much going on that they're just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. So again, if we even went back to the third grade example, so let's say, you know, it's this girl's birthday party and it's supposed to be all about her. She's getting the gift. She's blowing out the candles. It's all about her. And then, you know, you invite this quirky person who, again, it's not about them, but maybe because of their quirks, they be, they they <laughs> get some of the attention yes. because of the fact that they're quirky and weird. And, you know, maybe that person doesn't even want to risk having that happen. Wow. Wow. I think, I think that's an interesting, that's a, that's almost, that's a very interesting social dynamic where it's like only one person, there's only room for one person in the spotlight basically. And you don't want to invite anyone to your party that might detract from your spotlight. And I, I think that that is perhaps a social consideration that I think that's definitely a teenage thing to do. I'm also wondering is, is, I, and, and this is something that like, I, I hear you on that. Do you think it's also possible that there is a sick pleasure that people get in watching someone else being excluded or ostracized from a group? Because I, I think that there is the spotlight thing, but I do feel I like there so. are. I think there is a sick pleasure type of person. And this is going to be really difficult for the two of us because we're kind of nice people, I want to imagine. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> right? So I'm trying, let's try and get into the head of what, what would make, someone derive pleasure from excluding somebody that is a tough one sometimes people are just in a lot of pain yeah. and so they don't necessarily know how to process it so the best way to do that is to inflict it on other people and that has nothing to do with spotlight it's just like and it doesn't it doesn't even have to be related it just people act in really interesting ways to try to make themselves feel better um kind of like with a band-aid effect i even see it at work too sometimes and it's not like, for example, one of the people that I work with, um, she, she, she basically was training me. And so she trained me one way. And then a couple of months later, I was told I was doing it the wrong way. And so here I am, this new person thinking I got taught one way, 
only to realize that she taught me the wrong way. So I'm, I'm think like, I'm thinking I'm doing a good job and she's the one who's also monitoring me. Whereas maybe in some sense, without her even knowing, she's technically throwing me under the bus to make herself look better. And not, I don't even think she's aware of that. It's just an inkling of a thought that maybe that's the case because she's an overachiever and likes to be the star of the show and likes to be the person who's like amazing, you know, even though we're a whole team, maybe that's the case too in a scenario in high school, even though that person isn't even aware of what they're doing. You know, I like what you said here about being in pain. And it actually makes me think of something um, like if we kind of think uh, of life as a pyramid, right? And maybe that girl who's excluding that boy has just been rejected by some other boy who she perceives to be higher on the, the pyramid or on the hierarchy. So maybe some jock that she's vying after has now rejected her uh, romantic advances or, or, or her efforts. And that's hurting. Like she's in pain because that person that has rejected her has invalidated her existence. And the only natural thing to do is to invalidate someone else's existence. I mean, that sounds really dark, but it's definitely <laughs> uh, subconsciously, I think a lot of us are, pro- are, are navigating our lives that way. Yeah, it, it seems like it's a prevalent thing that's happening more and more, especially with the rise of using technology and social media. I mean, throwing hate comments everywhere and and all of that and not inviting people to Facebook, you know, those events and well, pre-COVID at least. But <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like also a lot of people are in pain and because we're not communicating that well in general, the pain is just getting worse. And we're also not teaching our kids and students and children and whoever, like no one knows how to really process these emotions or how to address them in a way that's not violent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think, I I think that this is, this is, I mean, this issue, these issues are definitely getting worse and the communication thing is definitely starting to fail. Um, And and we'll get to that in in the, in the adult world, like thinking about what we talked about last time uh, with like, you're creating like a Facebook invite. I think that that also gives people, a godlike sense of power, like, oh, this one's going, this one's not going, I'm, I'm inviting this person. And I think that that, like, I think excluding people gives them like a godlike power of, I am the great decider of who gets through these gates and who doesn't. And I, I think people also kind of do that as a way, like, like you said, with, with the Band-Aid, it's also just a way to feel better about themselves. And sometimes, you know, they're excluding someone for good merit, like they were a jerk to you last week, and you really don't want to see them. But other times, it's a band-aid like measure to feel powerful. I can definitely see that. I mean, now that you put it like that, it feels so weird. It feels so (laughs) weird that that would internally someone would translate themselves as being so high on their pedestal that they can make decisions like that. I mean, I probably did stuff like that all throughout high school. Like, I mean, I had major transformation in terms of like mental and like friend groups and all of that. So um, high school is it's a challenging time. There's especially, I can't believe you taught high school because I can't, I couldn't even navigate it. I deal with kids who are trying to navigate it too. Like it's, it's insane. Oh, uh, you just actually made me think of another one. Uh, I just, this one just completely got out of my head. Sometimes you're inviting people and let, let you might be a, a person that loves everybody, but now you've got one friend that says, Oh, well, I'm not coming if he's there. And oh, now, yes. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I forgot about that. That does. That's like, um, I, well, we've had this issue so many times, especially in my close friend group, because my, my, my brother and his, his best friend from high school was, like married to this girl and they recently got divorced. So growing up, they were together for eight years. We were obviously friends with the husband and the wife on like having separate relationships and then friendship with them like together. Sure. Um, right. As individuals and as, as the couple. And so now we have to be super mindful of how we invite them to things because they don't want to be together, but we want to hang out with both of them. So it's like, we'll add this one to this party this time, but then add the wife to the other party so we can balance the friendship so that they don't get offended or they're they not upset that the other one is there. See, that's, you know, I mean, and that takes a lot of mental gymnastics. And the problem that, that comes from that is that 
sometimes you have really high stake events. It's like, okay, well, we're going to invite this one to our wedding and we'll invite the other one to that sort of thing that we, a little shindig that we do like a month later. So I, I hear what you're saying and we're trying to be nice about it. I, I don't know if it always gets perceived that way because people are going to be like, well, she got to go to the big fancy wedding and I only get to go to this stupid thing, you know, two months later. I'm wondering if, if as the person that loves everybody, do you owe it to either just invite both of them and let them figure it out and kind of deal with that discomfort? Because it's like, it's kind of not right that it's kind of not right that they make you the executioner for their hiccups. I don't think yeah. that's, I don't think that's right that I don't really like this person. And therefore you're, I'm going to make you execute them from this gathering for my convenience. I think it should be a situation of like, well, you know, I love you both and this is the way it's going to be. Try and avoid each other. I won't sit you next to each other. If it's one of those kind of events and like, just be, be an adult or just be a person that avoids them. I don't think it's right for them to make you the executioner. Yeah. I, I wish that was the case. I mean, <laughs> I feel like this happens all the time and I'm really glad you brought it up because the more that I think about it, I recognize like in my family and my personal life and work, it happens constantly. And it does make it challenging too, because if people get upset that you didn't include them in something, you're kind of back to square one. But if you kind of leave them to figure it out on their own, it's also hard because sometimes they're just not mature enough to like want to do that. Or they just, maybe they're in a painful place of a breakup or whatever happened. And they just, they're not ready to have that conversation or be in the same space. And then I don't know, it's a sticky situation. I don't necessarily love the, the idea of having to choose one or the other. So sometimes I just don't do, I don't invite anyone in that whole situation. Yeah, that, that, that's also a smart thing to do is like, well, either both of you are coming or none of you are coming, you know, it could, mm -hmm. it could be, it could be a situation like that. I'll, I'll be completely honest here. What ends up happening, and I'm not a saint, is that I just end up defaulting with a closer friend. I think, I think yeah, that's, that's a good safe, like, you're going to have fun too if they're closer to you. Yeah, yeah. But, but then, so I invite the safer friend, but now, now I might be jeopardizing a future relationship that could have potential. So I'm kind of giving favoritism to, to someone who has legacy or somebody that has like invested like like more stock or, or, or like a longer history with me or whatever. I didn't even think about that. Like in terms of future development, I'm just thinking right now in the present, but now that I think about it, I do wish that maybe some people I did invite because like I, I had a really close girlfriend who we had a falling out with, but her brother was like, oh my God, he was so much fun. And like, not in a relationship type of sense. He's just like, if he was at the party, you knew there was dancing, there was singing. Like he just was like a one man show, always laughing, no drama. And he was really great. But obviously like the, how I became friends with him was through that friend. So without her, it's weird if he comes. So I just let it, I just didn't do anything with it. I just let it be. And so every so often we like message on Instagram, like, hey, how are you? And like, da da da, and that's it. Like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of like, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot because in order to appease some other friend, you're removing somebody from your party that could have made that party really, really, really magical. You know, like, like that, like that friend, you're not just doing that friend a solid, but you're also kind of shooting yourself in the foot by like, now no one gets to have this cool, magical singing friend at my party. Yeah. Well, now that you say that, no, I, don't, <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean to make you feel. No, no, no. <laughs> also having me like, while you were saying that, I was also kind of mentally reflecting, like, okay, so that as an adult, this is how I'm processing this scenario. So as a 16 year old who's still developing all of your, you know, your brain function, you're going through your hormonal changes. Like, how do you, or how do, do us teachers teach these children to process these things or make good decisions so that they don't shoot themselves in the foot like I am. <laughs> I, no, I mean, this is actually, I mean, so first off, I'm just being, I'm just coming, I'm in the same boat as you. 
I'm becoming aware of these things as I'm talking to you. Like the, I don't think these are things I could have independently just come up. So let, 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 like if we're just coming up with these things, I don't even know if teachers in America are, are at that level where they're even aware of what's going on. They'll probably just write it off as, oh, that girl's an asshole or that girl's a jerk or something. Don't, don't <laughs> worry like about her. But I think having an understanding of all of these other forces in the shadows, if you would, that are influencing who we're inviting to things and who we're excluding can help. I, I, think, it, I think it could help. And maybe, maybe, maybe even talking to that teenager or that third grade boy, I'd be like, well, who else is at that party? Oh my God, you know, Andrew's there. Well, you don't get along with Andrew. Maybe it's, maybe it's kind of best that you sit this one out. I guess that's a good... That's a good angle to go at as a teacher because you're having, you're also questioning the student to make them make their own, um, you're asking an open-ended question so that they can answer it themselves or like think, oh, I didn't think about that. Kind of like what we do in this podcast, but it's something that I also need to start doing in my own, you know, my own life. Because now, okay, so you told me I was shooting my foot about having that person at my party, but then on the flip side of that, the negative is that he drinks a lot and like, he sometimes gets off his rocker and like goes way too big and like, mm, you know, so there's always mm. so I think maybe in some ways, subconsciously, there was some strategy that I had did, but for this little boy, it's hard because as a teacher, right, you're trying to give them clues as to answer their own questions but you don't know if they're at a place that they can be like, oh, well, I don't, you know, what if he said like, oh, I don't, you know, just because I don't get along with Andrew doesn't mean I don't want to go. Right. I yeah. You know, and I just that's won't true. talk to him. I won't go in the ball pit. Like, and, and he that, might even be like, I'm still going to go in the ball pit. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I just want the cake. And then the boy could also say, well, why does Andrew get to go and not me? You know, it yeah. could, you know, you know, like there's also that. No, but I actually like what you said just a second ago about um, this friend who maybe drinks too much because you also have to and maybe third graders or teenagers also do this not in an advanced degree but maybe at the subconscious level they also think about the risk factor that that guest poses to everyone at the party and i'll give you an example of a third grader doing this i don't want to play with andrew he doesn't share his toys like you ever heard a kid say that before oh, so yeah. that's i never know how to answer that yeah, yeah, really but that's but that's an example or i'll give you or let me rephrase this i don't want andrew to to come to my party because he's going to steal everybody's toys right so in a way that third grader is actually protecting the the sanctity and they're protecting the well-being of their guests because if they invite this boy or they invite this person that is going to steal people's toys then they 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 have like if you're initiating a party you have a onus or you have a, a an obligation to protect your guest in a way yeah and now that you point that out too i actually do remember a different story same classroom different child but I remember someone actually being excluded I think from it was like it maybe it wasn't a birthday party but it was some event that was outside of school and I think one of the girls was like oh I didn't want to invite this one child because if he gets mad he likes to bite and I was like oh wow that's a good reason yeah (laughs) it's like an okay reason but I don't you know I I remember it just came to me I remember that yeah no I think I think with the exclusion stuff, if there's like clear cut evidence against a person, right, then you can excuse exclusion, like being bitten is a really good reason not to invite somebody. <laughs> you don't want Hannibal Lecter up in your wedding, oh you know? <laughs> like like I, I totally I totally feel that. Okay, you ready to move on to the adult world? The yeah. Nitty gritty, <laughs> gritty adult world? Okay. I, I will share an example um, from my own life. And I was attending a work conference in, in New Orleans. And um, th- th- there was this one guy, and, and we didn't particularly get along, but whatever, we acted like, eh, you know, just like, you know, we, we kind of just tolerated each other. And one, you know, w- when we're in this conference, uh, I'm along with some other people, and he said, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be meeting up with some of my friends locally in New Orleans." And he invited everyone else, and 
when it came time to me, he's like, oh, you know, I, I think Aaron, and he said this in front of my face. He was like, I think Aaron would find my friends like a little boring or something. And like, this was, uh, this was like female teacher arguing, like, you know, that's really rude of you. He's like, no, no, it's just, he's not going to understand my friends or what, you know? And like, obviously this had nothing to do with my benefit, right? This had more to do with like, I don't want this square hanging out with my friends right now. And he, he, he made that call. And I was like, I, I kind of just jumped in there before he, I was like, no, no, no. I said, I, I'm, I'm feeling tired. Let, let me go back to the hotel. I, um, I, so he did one of those where he like justified his really like crappy excuses for why he didn't bring well, you. Well, I, like, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, see, I do that too to like save the other person from the embarrassment of like throwing themselves under the bus by looking like an ass, but like, that's, you know. No, I wasn't, I actually wasn't doing it for his benefit, but what it was actually is from a very young age, Gabby, I learned never show up to a place that you are unwanted. That's, okay, that's a very good, yeah, <laughs> that's that, a really good thing that you learn when you're younger. Cause I don't think I got that nugget <laughs> of gold like, until my late No, 20s. no, no. I, like, I, I, think, <laughs> I think I learned from a very young age that if there's a fight to get you somewhere, then maybe you ought to not be there. And, and we can definitely discuss like how much push and shove that I should have applied in that situation. But I just, that's an instinctual thing that I have of like, I'm not really wanted there. It seems like there's a lot of negative energy coming from this. I'm not wanted, therefore I'm not gonna make these people miserable because they're gonna end up hating me. If I end up showing to this party and just force my way in like a party crasher, then they're just going to end up hating me more. And that's going to kind of justify their own uh, negative. I don't really care about their beliefs, but why would I want to be in a place that I'm not wanted? Yeah, that's a really great point that I really need to start using in my own life. But <laughs> I do, I mean, it's that's happened to me a lot too. And it's not the greatest feeling when someone, or or the best is when they say like, um, like, oh, we're going to be out late. I know you like to go to bed early. So I would just maybe sit with this one out or like, Ooh, yeah, oh, we're not, yeah. we're, you know, we're going to go to this club and we know. You. So they, they frame it in a way so that they're purposely not inviting you or extending the invitation. Uh, but they're throwing in these little bits that maybe play to your, to your, I don't know, your personality or the way that you would react so that you already say, you know what, actually, I want to go home and go to bed or like Netflix and chill and sound so much better. Why would I want to go out? So what they're, yeah, what they're doing is they're giving you an out so that you can save face, right? Like they're, they're like, they're, they're not outwardly saying we don't want you to come, but they're giving you this out so that you can just be agreeable with that out and be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, um, loud techno music is not my thing or whatever, but here's the thing. It's not for your benefit, Gabby. It's not for my benefit. There, there is this desire, I, I think, and this is something that, you know, it's good that we started off talking about children. I think that we have a desire, a selfish tendency to preserve our own happiness at the expense of others. And, and if somebody, if, if they know that inviting you to the loud tech, techno club, if you're not going to be a good fit and somehow your presence there is going to disrupt them from meeting guys or drinking as much as they want, whatever, whatever it is that they want, they're selfishly sacrificing you so that they can have the most optimal experience. That, I mean, that sounds accurate. I yeah. do like, yeah. no, I, I do think though, there's always a flip side to that because you know, there, there's sometimes, yes, they're doing it purposely. Maybe sometimes they're not doing it purposely or they know you well enough to know, like, you, you actually aren't going to enjoy this. So I'm doing mm. you the favor of like pushing you away. But then if you take it a step further, something that I've learned too over time is that, and this is maybe again, because I did a lot of self-development work is that often when there's, I have a cringy moment or a moment of not wanting someone included in something, it's because yes, it's uncomfortable or you're afraid that they're going to say something that might cause some conversation that you don't want to be had. Like, for example, I have a friend who's really like into politics and like in mm. certain scenarios, I wouldn't necessarily want to bring her because of the fact that politics sometimes get heated. And sometimes I just want to go for a drink and not talk about things that are so serious. Like I'm just trying to have a drink and enjoy myself. But one thing I'm noticing as an adult and something that I would encourage others to do is to recognize the uncomfortability with it. And also recognize that bringing that person along for the ride, they can also 
help make the flow in conversation. They could bring other things to the table. Maybe you go to that, you know, you don't want them to go to that techno club, but then you find out that coincidentally enough, they actually know the bouncer and then you get all get in for free. <laughs> like you just, you never know, like maybe they were neighbors. Like there are already, there's so many coincidences and it's such a small world in general and in relation to connections that, um, or conversation, I should say, not just connections, but something like someone that you think you're not going to have any sort of commonalities with it most often, especially now that in the age of Netflix, where like everyone watches TV and there's always a TV show that you can connect with on. It's just, you, you never know who can bring something to the table if you're willing to take a shot. I like what you said. Actually, you kind of make me feel better in the way you just described it about this whole exclusion thing. If you do view people as kind of as ambience, because there, there is a point to be made that if you've got ultra political junkie, and that's fine, you know, I'm obviously into politics and so forth, but you have to know when to shut it off, right? Like you have to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to know when to shut it off. And or, or the one, sorry, not to offend any like vegans out there or vegetarians is like, you don't want to bring one of these people to a restaurant and they're like, ew, meat, meat. You know, I, I, I've actually dealt with that situation before. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you can order the thing that does not have meat and enjoy it, but you can't just sit there and make other people feel uncomfortable that they want to have a hamburger. Like you don't have the right to do that. You, you eat as healthy as you want and have your beliefs. I respect that. Love you, man. Love you, lady. But don't make, and that's, that's fair because it's not, you're not actually doing a very callous thing in that moment. You're like, this person cannot survive in this ambience. And therefore the, the ambience is going to be destroyed by inviting them. Right. And then that's kind of like inviting the vegan to the, to the barbecue fest. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of, it's not your fault. It's theirs. It's they have to monitor themselves and recognize that everyone's different and they don't always have your viewpoints. <laughs> it definitely varies from group to group because some people would argue that you being the meat lover is not being respectful of them, but then it's, it's, it could go either way. I think, I think if I was, I've, it's funny, I've never been in the opposite situation where I'm like, okay, guys, this is a vegetarian restaurant. And then I pull out my lunchbox with like my hamburger. Like, I think that would, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that would also be, the same level of disrespect. I, th I think that obviously the majority of people eat meat and, and not the other way around. But yes, like if it was, if, if there was a party that it was vegetarian only and I was invited to that party, I would keep my meat loving tendencies on the down low for that party out of respect for the other people there. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be complaining like, Ugh, you guys are just like little bunny rabbits eating your salads or something. I would just be like, mm, wow, yes, tofu. I, I, I so enjoy, like, again, like I said, <laughs> I, I, I would just, you know, I, I wouldn't lie, but at the same time, I would be accommodating to what's available. You know what I mean? Accommodating. Yeah. I mean, not all adults understand that term. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, deal in corporate, there's such a variety of people that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And it just blows my mind that I don't know if it's old age or just in time, people just, they just don't give a shit. They just don't. Yeah, yeah. Like it's all about them. And it's almost, it's funny. You almost go from, you know, as a kid, you're not intentionally being selfish, but it's in your nature to be selfish. And then as you get older, you know, three, four, five, six, you know, all the way up to high school, you start to learn more about, you know, uh, doing things to others, you know, treat the person you, the way you want to be treated and, you know, all this stuff. And then by the time you're like in your twenties, again, you're having that self-reflection, you're trying to figure yourself out. And then it seems like as you get older, the level of like selfishness increases. And then you kind of get to that stubborn place of like, it's just like a cycle of like, you know, it's funny, Gabby, like I, when we started this conversation, I was like, there's no way that the person doing the excluding is going to come out as a good person. Like, I can't imagine that happening, but it actually seems like there are some examples of when that exclusion person is doing some justice to the world. And I'll give you another example. I don't do any kind of drugs at all. I, I do none whatsoever. Yes, I, I, I occasionally have a drink or so. I feel that I have probably been um, excluded from things because I don't do drugs and the people at that party really wanted to do that. And in that instance, I'm actually fairly appreciative 
of their consideration of like, oh, Aaron doesn't really do that. Maybe it's best he sits that one out. And I'm actually seeing the nuance in this where those people are actually looking out. It's not just a selfish thing on their half of like, let's have our drug ambience maintained, but they're also kind of looking out for me and making sure that I'm not in an environment that's going to make me highly uncomfortable. I have actually been in a scenario like that where I didn't, I didn't know there was going to be drugs there. And I showed up to a party or we were going to have a couple of drinks, hang out and then go to a couple bars in the Lower East Side. And I remember just like the shock. I like felt so uncomfortable and like immediately left and told them like, meet me, meet me at the bar. Cause that's where I'm going. I don't want to be here. And so in that moment, I would have, I actually would have wished that they either didn't invite me or at least get told me ahead of time so that I could be prepared and then make a decision on my own, whether I was going to go or not. Yeah. Cause in that moment, I like that whole night ended up being terrible and I did not have a good experience specifically, I think because of that beginning moment, but I would never, ever want to put someone in that place. And I mean, that's just me, but, and you, but yeah, not cool. No, this is actually quite amazing because in one sense, when you have friends that are like, oh, Gabby, you're not going to like it. There's annoying techno music. That's like warning you, like a fake warning. That's like a fake warning of like, I just don't want you around, get lost. But then there's real warnings that friends give you like, oh, shoot, there, there might be some drugs there and you might feel uncomfortable. Is that something you're okay? You know, like, so it's funny, like the same behavior has like an evil application and then it has a virtuous application. It's funny you bring this up because it almost takes me back to our conversation earlier this week when you were, you know, we were talking about, do you want to be lied to or do you want to be told the truth? And I think in some instances, like, do I necessarily want my friend to be like, Hey, there's, there's like literally Coke in the next room. Or do I want them to be like, no, no, like that room is closed off. Like we're not allowed in there. That's like, they're storing all their valuables in there. Like, I don't know which one, like if I knew that that was going on in there, I probably would have like a freak out and like not want to be there and like kind of ruin the whole night for my friend, for myself. But if I didn't know about it and again, nothing bad happened, like, would I be okay with that situation? Again, like this is out of context. Like I, I don't want any cops involved. I don't want anything, <laughs> anything bad to go on. I don't want to touch it, but it, you know, I don't know. It sometimes it's, what's that phrase? It's like uh, uh, ignorance is bliss. So here's my answer. I guess, in, I don't know if this is possible, but ideally, when someone says, oh, there, you know, there's coke in the other room or something like that, ideally, I don't even want to be in, in that house at all. I don't care what's even going on in that room. Like, it's actually unsettling that even in an adjacent room, something is going on. And I think this is where the truth always sets you free. And I think that those friends who at least have a, an idea that there's a high probability that that kind of activity is going to be on, that's where they let you know over the phone. That's where they let you know far in advance that something like that kind of behavior is going to be going on. Now, they, your friends, they themselves may not know that that's going on until it's already too late. And then the only thing that they can do at that point is warn you, oh, by the way, there's coke in that room. And that's okay because they themselves did not know. And this is like, yeah. they, they're just warning you at the last possible second. They just found out themselves. But if they have any inclination or if they have any idea that something like that is going on, they owe it, they owe, they owe it to you to tell you the truth as soon as they know. Yeah. Well, that's a different scenario just because it's obviously it's illegal and there's <laughs> a possibility of danger. Also at this point in my life, I don't have anyone who I'm friends with that would do something like that. They just were just, we're all kind of the same place mentally and like how we treat our bodies. And so I don't see myself being in a situation like that going forward. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's something that all of us, like if you're constantly being put in situations like that, or you're being excluded or, or ah, like this is happening, like maybe you need to start reevaluating the people you're with because those people aren't looking care, like taking care of you. They're not looking after you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of ties into the first two conversations that we had where you, you, you have to really, these things are going to happen to you in your late teen years. They're going to happen to you in your early twenties. And, and they're, they make actually for quite interesting stories, you know, and then that weird guy walked through and I was like, I'm getting out of here. And I hailed a cab and, and just, you know, like they make for interesting stories. There does come a point in your life where you expect more from the people that you're hanging out with. And you expect that, if they are excluding you, 
it's out of love exclusion. And if they, you know, like, like, and I, I think that's a magical place to be with people where you trust them that when they say, Gabby, you want to sit this night out. This is not going to be your thing. You love them and you know them so well that, that you really take their words at face value. I mean, that's the goal. I think we all want people in our lives who are like that. Yeah. It's definitely, it's hard to come by and it does take a lot of work internally for yourself and externally to find, you know, do the weeding, if you will. I meant to ask you though, I have curiosity. Do you think common sense or like gut feelings kind of fall into the bucket of socialization or no, not at all? I think they do pass a certain age. So I think that when we're younger and this, this varies onto the individual, but as we're very younger, we're highly, highly, highly curious. We're highly curious about people were like, oh, I want to hang out with those kids. And in in your teenage years, at least, you're going to make some mistakes or you're going to end up at a party that you regret being at later on. And, you know, there's, there's some people that are more mature than, than others. But I think that gut feeling sort of develops out of experience. I, I think that yeah, when people that say, when people say, man, this, this house looks really sketchy, or I don't really, you know, why are there illegal fireworks back there? You know, like you kind of just get to this point where your gut acts up because you've had a prior encounter with sketchy behavior that sort of triggers that, you know, and, and, and like, so, you know, some people believe that the, you have gut feelings, that's the universe just like whispering into your ear. I might, and there might be some of that, but I kind of think that it's just your subconscious being like, Hey, Aaron, don't these people remind you of those kids from high school that were pretty bad to you? Or even I, this is another thing you could tie it in is, do you think this some like in some way reminds you of an ex TV show or a movie, which, right? I mean, we don't want to necessarily be taught or programmed by TV and movies yeah. and things like that, you know. But if we're watching like Ozark and it's all about like the drug cartel, <laughs> like you know, all these people within a black van with guns, it doesn't seem like it's right. There yeah, be yeah. A problem here. The only thing is, is the the one thing I will say is that TV makes it. So- super obvious who's the bad guy right like tv is like well the guy with the the guy with the bald head and the scar going down his face he's obviously the villain and real life is just so much more complicated gabby because believe me especially let me just tell you about manhattan a little bit here is that you have some very gorgeous looking you know guys and gals beautiful looking people but they're up to some really really corrupt shit and <laughs> you know like they, they, like 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 you know that, that, that's kind of like you know there is like um an evilness to manhattan in a way that you have these like really tall like six foot five and then like these girls that wear these like high heels and they're and they're you know really skinny and gorgeous looking with the blonde hair or whatever but some of those people you know, by, by television standards and, and, you know, they would appear to be the protagonist or they would appear to be the good guy, but then they invite you to some party and you realize, holy shit, these people are rotten to the core. Yeah. And it's funny because in psychology, you equate, if you're, if you're symmetrical, if your face is symmetrical, you will automatically assume that they're good. And if, and that goes back to people who are quirky or different, maybe they don't necessarily have that symmetrical, beautiful face or figure. And you automatically think they're the bad guy, but it's actually swapped. It's flipped. Yes, yes, yes. And that's, that's what makes life like very complicated. And this is why you really get to, you need to know, you get to, you have to look past the surface and you have to really get to know people. I think the only way to, to really avoid these types of people is to not just be like, those people are gorgeous, pretty cool, hip, popular let me see what they're all about. Like, let me ask them a moral question. I'd be like, hey, buddy, if you saw someone uh, drop 20 bucks, the guy standing in front of you, right? Would you pick that 20 bucks up? Or would you be like, hey, sir, you know, you dropped 20 bucks. If that dude says, you know, I would pocket that or whatever. That's like a little window into who they are, right? Like, so you can ask- But do you think they're actually gonna tell the truth? Cause there might be people, it's like when they do like beauty pageants where they're like, I want world peace and like hunger. And like, they want, they, you know, they want to end hunger. And it's kind of like, well, do you really? Or you're just saying that (laughs) to again, you know, go on with the facade. 
I and then also when you think about all that, how do you even teach that to a kid? Yeah, no, no, no. Kids, they're helpless. Like, like, God, <laughs> God, bless, God bless them. I think you make also another good point. Well, what do we do about our phony baloney people? So maybe, maybe it's always wise to keep a distance from people at first. And, and what I mean by distance is like, <clears throat> don't talk to me, you know, like not, not that kind of distance, but, you know, have at least three to five conversations with the person before you actually go to a party with them or hang out with them, just so that you can see any holes in what they're saying, right? Because if you talk to somebody once, you're like, whoa, what a rose-colored, beautiful, optimistic worldview you have. But then if you speak to them a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time, a sixth time, you're like, wait a minute, I'm seeing a pretty dark pattern beginning to merge here. So, I hate to say it, but maybe we have, as we get older, we have to have our guard up a little bit more, which sucks because now there's tons of wonderful people we might be filtering out, but at the same time, we have to protect ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because there's not one size fits all. It's just constant experimentation and you, you know, asking the right questions and doing a lot of observation, a lot, a lot of observation. I, I think that as a as a general rule with this with socialization, give everybody their honest chance, give them their day in court, or give them give them their chance. And I, I really wrapping up our whole series is like there's so many good questions that we could look like. Is this person just having a five minute conversation with me and then running away? Just like we talked, I think, in the first episode, you know, like hmm, that's a little suspicious. They seem all happy and unicorn like, but then they don't have much to say past three minutes. That's it's a little weird, you know. So are are they having a deep conversation? Are are they intentionally omitting things? Has the story changed? You said on Tuesday that you were there at the soup kitchen, but now on Friday you were at the clothing drive. You know, it's like where, where is the story being consistent? Is are 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 you? being able to go really deep with that person. And I think these are our sort of vetting mechanisms that we can all adopt. Yeah, and I mean, we're, as we continue to grow older and read more and more research is done, um, you know, we could probably find out better strategies um, or find out from other people their experiences to make better decisions in the long run. I think so. I I think that, experience with socialization and this is why i think obviously the pandemic is a is a travesty but i think that yes you do get wiser as you get older but you never become wiser until you actually start reflecting if you you know there i i hate to say it but there are 80 year olds out there who are really old right but they you can tell yeah. <laughs> right but you can tell that maybe they haven't been as reflective as they should be. And they're still kind of making the same mistakes and they're still hanging out with the wrong crowd in the senior center because they're not, they're not giving themselves that space to be like, well, geez, who, who here is really my friend? And I, I think one thing that the pandemic has done, whether you're young, old, a teenager or whatnot, is it really has given us that space to carefully reflect all of the relationships in our lives. Mm-hmm. And rediscover who you are because who you were pre-COVID is probably very, very different than post-COVID. Yes, yes. And and hopefully for the better. Gabby, thank you so much for being on the show and having and doing this wonderful series with me. Thanks, Aaron. This concludes the 46th episode of the Truth Island Podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.